Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, how are you, Eagle fans? Man, I missed you guys. I missed yeah, my partner, John McMullen. I missed uh, our phenomenal producer, Xander. And I miss you guys here on Birds 365. After a lengthy weekend, we're back to talk Eagles football with you. I'm Jody McDonald. He is my partner, John McMullen. Uh, I hope your weekend was good, Mr. McMullen. Oh, it was great. Low downtime. But, uh, you know, Eagles 365 never stops on the Jacob Media page, so everybody could check out our interviews there. But, uh, yeah, it was nice to decompress. I know you don't get that opportunity because no. I thought – I saw 75, I believe the number was, ships for Jody McDonald over holiday weekend. It, it just felt like that. It wasn't quite that many, but it was damn close to it. Um, and, and yes, I can go to the YouTube page and go back and watch what pearls of wisdom we dropped on the people last week. But it's just not the same as talking to you live, buddy. I got to no. tell you that. It, it's, it's good on tape, but it's just that much better live. It's good to see your smiling face this morning. Uh, it's good to see you, Jody. And I, I, you know, this is sort of the turning point as you get past Fourth uh, of July weekend, uh, and it turned out to be. And now you can see training camp on July twenty seventh. Everything starts gearing up. You start. Everybody's saying, "Oh, we got to get back to it. We got to get back to it. It's coming. It's right around the corner." We have exactly three weeks from today. The countdown is on, as John correctly notes. Uh, so, yes, Eagles football live will be back before we know it. All right. Uh, you see that I put on a specific hat today. I did so for two reasons. Number one, I knew that you'd like it, a Stone Cold Steve Austin hat. This is an oldie but goodie. Damn, I must have this hat 20 years, somewhere there about. I don't even remember. You got yeah, probably... it's, been, it's been so long. If you think Steve's last match was at Safeco Field. Really? Uh, against The Rock. WrestleMania. I got to think about the number. But that had to be early 2000s. So it's been. It, time flies, man. Time flies. It, it truly does. But uh, I saw this hat today and I said, I got to get it on because John will get a kick out of it. But also there's a couple people, and and we are in that woeful downtime during the National Football League when there are no OTAs, they're mandatory or non-mandatory, it doesn't matter. We are X amount of days, in this case 21, away from the opening of camp. And there's just not any moves going on. There's no new news. There's no real roster shakeup. You might see a signing. We have not seen any signings. with the. We know we've been waiting here on the birds. When are they going to get another quarter cornerback? And when are they going to do something with Zach Ertz, be it trade and or release? Yes, none of those things have happened in the last several weeks. No. So we're waiting with bated breath for new information and the like. So people need to create opinion, create content and the like. And a couple of outlets have attempted to do that. And I'm sorry, I'm going to woefully disagree with uh, several of them, as a matter of fact. Are you a big fan of Ben Lindsay? Uh, I don't know, Ben, um, but uh, you were uh, filling me in a little bit before the show. The name did not ring a bell, but 
I always say, I want to start this. I know you want to rip some people, Jody, and I'm with you. But uh, I, I always say to Eagles fans who get upset about this kind of stuff, it's one person's opinion, ultimately. It's one person's opinion. Chris Sims, uh, uh, we talked about the top 40 last week before we went. Uh, we ha- had our little break. Well, you didn't have a break, but I had a little bit of a break. Um you know, he didn't have he didn't have Jalen and Jalen Hurts in the top forty. It's one person. It doesn't right. matter. But I hear why people get emotional about it. Under a uh, well understood, and Ben Lindsay is certainly welcome to his opinion. Yeah, and I'm welcome to my opinion to say his opinion is out of friggin' <laughs> left field. Okay, it's opinion on both sides of it. Now, I think it was too low. I believe he was 29th. Correct. He he had the Eagles as the 29th. He ranked the rosters, just the talent presently on the rosters yeah. of all the teams That's in the National low. Football League. And Eddie Eagles at 29th. I'll tell you what, although I think that is low, certainly think that's low. Uh, you and I have them winning eight games this upcoming season. So if they play to that, they're not going to be the 29th team. They're not going to draft number four in the upcoming draft uh, if they finish with eight wins this year. So, yes, you and I think – and we do believe they're going to add another corner at some point. So uh, that is going to change. Anytime you have any significant additions to your roster or subtractions, you can move up and down. Any list, anytime you do it, is fluid. And you can change it uh, the next day if you uh, wanted to uh, re-rank and rearrange. Uh, so I think he's a little low at the Eagles at 29. But that's not my biggest issue. He ranked all the teams, which means he ranked the other teams in the division. He had the Giants at number 19. All right, if you think it's going to be the NFC least again, okay, fine. I get it. Worst division in football last year. Mm. Could very well be the worst division in football again this year. You got the Eagles at 29. Giants up at nine, number 19. Me thinks that could be just a tad high for them. And then the Washington football team and the Dallas Cowboys, both in the top 12 in the National Football League. So Eagles 29, Giants 19, Washington and Dallas both in the t- top 12. I know they're the Washington football team, which is WFT. I say WTF. <laughs> uh, come on. The Redskins and the well, Giants both in the top 12. Uh, the Redskins and the Cowboys. I don't see it. I don't buy it. How the hell does he come up with this? What, what do we say, Jody? What have I said about all these lists? Every single one of them, they come down to the coach and the quarterback. And I hear you. That's not what he's grading, but he doesn't know it, but that's what he's grading. That's what he's grading with the Eagles. I'm talking about the Eagles specifically. Nobody from a national perspective believes in the Eagles because of the coach and the quarterback. They are ignoring everything else. They are ignoring a top 10 offensive line, if healthy, which is a big caveat, big if. We put a lot of ifs on this team. They are ignoring a top 10 defensive line. Bottom line, they're not even looking at it. They can't get past the coach and the quarterback. Bottom line, every single one of these lists. Now, when you talk about the Cowboys, look, we know America's team, you know, at some point this week, I want to talk about hard knocks. Actually, we'll talk about it. We, we have two great guests. We'll, we'll, we'll let you in on in a second. Um, we know the Cowboys. They're always a little bit 
people think they're a little bit better than they really are. But you look offensively, they have Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, C.D. Lamb, on and on and on. It is pretty impressive. Defensive side of the ball, you, you're probably not looking at it. Uh, Washington, that's a hot team. You know, some people have said, you know, they could make a wrong, a, a strong run. If somehow they got in the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes, they might be a favorite for the Super Bowl because they have a top five defense with that defensive line. Uh, but, you know, it's hard to imagine them going very far with Ryan Fitzpatrick as the quarterback. So all of these things factor into it. But when it comes to the Eagles, Jody, nobody can get past the coach and the quarterback, and nobody even understands they can't get back can past the coach and the quarterback. Well, I uh, I understand where you're coming from. Now, maybe others don't understand, but I do. And I think you're right on the fact that you've got a first-year head coach in Nick Sirianni and a first-time ever starting quarterback who looked both very good and very shaky at times last year. I get it. That's Eagles. That's why I said Eagles at 29, although I would have them a little higher. I'm not as put off by that because as you so well explain it there, there were issues here that some people might not be willing to give them the benefit of the doubt on okay fine if that is applicable if coach and quarterback are going to drive the day on all of these lists daniel jones what is it about daniel what is daniel jones i don't well, go, I, oh i, I gotta well. have him highly rated and they have a second year coach who oh by the way just my opinion Kind of impressed me last year. I like what Joe Judge did, and I think he's going to be a good coach, but he's a second-year coach who went 6-10 and 10 in his first year. How are they meriting 10 slots higher than the Eagles when they have an absolute question at quarterback, as far as I'm concerned, and only a slight questionable coach one year into his career? Well, Jody, I agree with you, and I'm thinking about this, and I haven't done it because I think these uh, – you know, how do you, how do you grade rosters? Uh, I think it's kind of a silly premise. I think it's that off season premise. But while I say that, if, if I'm just going off the top of my head, I probably have the Eagles in the 23, 24 range. And I probably have the giants in the 23, 24 range. I'd have them right around the same spot uh, depending on, and, and again, that's just off the top of my head. But when I, when I look at other people, Look, I know you're not from being from doing this show with you every day. I know you're not a Daniel Jones fan. Now, people around the league, they're going to default to Daniel Jones above Jalen Hurts. They're just going to do it. Same thing with the coach. When we talk this time next year, it's not going to be the same with Nick Sirianni. Might be worse, probably will be better. He'll be like Joe Judge. You'll say, oh, he was okay. He was an embarrassment. This time last year, people were saying, who the hell is Joe Judge? Who we, You know, it was the similar type sediment, probably not quite as bad because you have the added kind of, I don't, what do you want to call it? Quirky goopiness of Nick Sirianni. You know, people don't believe in the guy. I, I you know, I think he's, I, I think he's going to be fine ultimately, but I'm telling you from a national perspective, I've talked to enough guys You've talked to enough guys with me on this show. Nobody believes in this guy. Nobody around this league outside of Philadelphia believes in this guy. Nobody. It's unbelievable. It's dumb, well, to be and, honest. And and I understand that uh, the two other coaches in this division, not named uh, Sirianni or Judge, 
both have much more experience than either the giant head coach and certainly much more experience than the Eagles head coach. But they also went below 500 last year. The Washington football team needed the aid of the unstoppable uh, Nate Sudfeld in week 16 <laughs> to be able to capture the division. Wow, man, you got to get ready for them this upcoming season. How do you figure? I, we all know, talk about what it, uh, it's all speculation and prognostication. We know what Ryan Fitzpatrick is. He's yeah. going to be great a handful yeah. of weeks during the year, and he's going to be friggin' god-awful a handful of weeks during the year. All of a sudden, he's going to become Mr. Consistent at this stage of his career? I don't think so. He'll have great weeks. He'll have hideously bad weeks. He is what he is. He's Fitzpatrick. He's Fitzmagic. He's Fitztragic. He's all those things. That's going to swing the pendulum that Washington is somehow a top 12 roster in this league? I don't well, think so. I don't have a problem. But I think Washington has a really good roster. I, I really do. I think they're a good young team, except for the quarterback position. And I think that holds them down. Now, yeah, I, I would just, wait, 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 didn't someone just tell me it's all about the quarterback and the coach? No, these yeah. Things? You but just saying, finished telling me that. And their quarterback is a big friggin' question mark. No, I'm just trying to speculate on other people's thought process. I'm saying if you look at the roster, if you actually look at the roster, and I don't believe he's doing that with the Eagles, maybe he is doing it with Washington. Maybe he's looking at Chase Young and Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne and Montez Sweat and Terry McLaurin. And Logan Thomas, and they brought in Curtis Samuel, and Antonio Gibson's going to be a good player in this league. That is a good young roster, Jody. I have no problem with Washington at 12. Um, their issue that will keep them down, and I, I'm going to pick Washington to win this division, uh, but what's going to keep them down is the quarterback and what you just said about Ryan Fitzpatrick. And that turns probably 8-8, eight and eight, it's not 8-8, eight 9-8, eight, and 10-7. Eight, uh, and seven. Um, you know, that could be a 13, 14 win team if they could pull off the miracle and get Aaron Rodgers. That could be a really, really good football team, similar to Denver and the AFC from that perspective. Good young talent. Now, Dallas, that that team, look, if you look at the offensive side of the football, it's it's a top-tier roster. If you look at the defensive side, it's not. So I don't know what they're looking at there. Right, either side of the ball, uh, you can you can over you can put a high grade on the offense, but then you got to put a low grade on the defense. With Washington, you put a high grade on their defense. Understood that they were one of the better defenses and have the right to improve with a guy like Chase Young in his second year. I just saw something on the NFL Network. Uh, them quoting that Chase Young's mom asked him. Where the hell were the sacks last year? He had yeah. seven and a half. It wasn't like he got none. But he said, Mom, it's a little harder in the National Football League. I'll, I'll up my sack total this year. Which, and by the uh, way, Chase Young, as good as he is, and he's going to be a star. And I said, he's Montez Sweat is better than Chase Young. Now, I don't know if he's getting vaccinated. I don't know if he's going to be out there. But he's better. That's how good Washington is up front. And that's why Ryan Kerrigan is uh, going to be running, rushing the passer for the Eagles because they said, well, Ryan, your, your numbers and your snaps are going to get cut even more because we want both Young and Sweat out there that many more plays this upcoming season. 
Eagles swooped in and got themselves a pretty good player on the cheap, who I think is going to help them this year. Uh, but that's uh, beside the point. I'm sorry. I just think he overrated, overranked the other teams in the league. You want to put the Eagles 29th instead of 25th, where I might have them, where you might have them, all right, four slots. You're a little uh, put off by it. But I'm not going to scream bloody murder about where he ranked the Eagles. I'll just say I disagree. Oh, I'm going to scream bloody murder that he's got both the Cowboys and the Washington football team in the top 12. I don't buy it. I don't think anybody in this division is in the top 12. They surely weren't last year, and I don't know why they would be this year. Yes, as uh, as predictable as Ryan Fitzpatrick is, he's predictably unpredictable is what he is. Um, I don't know what Dak Prescott's going to be. I, I do this show every day called Birds 365 with a very astute football insider named John McMullen who told me that one of the big reasons why Carson Wentz went backwards this past year is yeah, the toll of all the injuries. With yeah. the leg injury that he suffered, he's not the same quarterback that he was in 2017. And I buy into that. I believe that. How do we know what Dak Prescott's going to be this year? He's coming back from a major uh, below-the-waist injury that could have an effect on his ability to be the quarterback he once was. And, oh, by the way, he got paid, so he's going to be of a big part of that that uh, cowboy cap. And if he's only a partial Dak Prescott going forward, how the hell are the Cowboys going to have a top-12 roster? Yeah, with the Cowboys, I hear what you're saying about Dak Prescott. Uh and you do have to wait and see when it comes to the injury. No question about it. So it was, but, you know, I always talk about one of the reasons I, I, I believe that about Carson Wentz, because I saw it with RG3 and I have the same concerns uh, with Joe Burrow this year because he had a similar injury uh, towards ACL, his LCL, and there was more damage in Joe Burrow. So I'm very concerned about Joe Burrow because of the type of injury. Dak was a dislocated ankle. Now, big-time injury. But in theory, I don't think you have as many problems fixing that injury. Now, there's going to be all the mental hurdles, uh, all that kind of stuff, and it is probably going to take a while for him to get back. But I think from a physical perspective, eventually he's going to be back to a to 100% or close to 100% if you ever get close, you know, back to where you were. I don't think it's as serious an injury as what guys like RG3 and Carson and Joe Burrow went through. So just the type of injury, it, and and you look at it in the past, a dislocated ankle, it heals and, and guys can come back. But you're right. I mean, you can't assume he's going to be the guy who threw. You know, people forget, Jody. I think it was four. It was ridiculous. It was 450, maybe 472, and then over 500. That's what Dak Prescott was throwing for his final three games before he got hurt because of those receivers. Right. So, I mean, they do have some talent, significant talent on the offensive side of the football, offensive line as well. Remember, they went through a similar situation as the Eagles, losing Teron Smith and Lyle Collins and Zach Martin. All those guys are back. So we're saying the same thing about the Cowboys. If those guys are back, that's pretty damn good, Chevy. Understood. And you're right. Zach, uh, Dak had video game uh, offensive numbers uh, before he went down last year. But, oh, by the way, 
The Cowboys were one and three in the four. Yeah, games they weren't playing that well. Yeah. Their defense, defense was god awful. They were yeah. well behind in games. I remember that Atlanta game. What were they down? Uh, two plus touchdowns, and they rallied, which was kind of a choke on the Falcons. Part yeah, as well. Um, but they had to. He had to. They had to throw the ball that much because they were that far behind in the games because their defense was that bad. And I don't know how much they've actually upgraded their defense this year. All right, we're going to put this stuff aside for a couple minutes because as John teased you with, we've got two very good guests today, uh, two former NFL executives. First up will be our buddy Andrew Brandt, uh, his uh, business sports podcast, former executive in the National Football League, writer for Sports Illustrated. He's going to join us now. Uh, and a little bit later, Randy Mueller, ex-general uh, manager in the league as well, will hop aboard. So we've got two very good guests coming your way. Andrew Brandt joins us next here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. 
You've got your Mac and Mac guys. John McMullen, Jody McConnelly with you on Bird 365. We've got a very good guest to uh, help get the show rolling in the right direction today. Um, you know him as a former NFL executive, columnist for Sports Illustrated, and you should be listening to his podcast, Business of Sports. It's one of the better ones out there. Andrew Brandt joins us here on Birds 365. Andrew, how was your Fourth of July weekend? Nice, Jody and John. Good to be with you guys again. It's, um, you know, it's supposedly the slowest time in the NFL, but it seems to be always something keeping me busy here. Last week was college sports that kept me a lot busy. Yeah. We got a lot to talk about, Andrew. Good to see you. I hope you had a good holiday weekend. I do want to start with Trevor Lawrence because Jody's a little bit concerned. So I want you're you're one of the best money guys in the business. Landa Dickerson still has not signed. So I want you to explain to Jody about what people argue about. It's generally offset language. It's generally payment structure. Yeah. When you talk about really the 2011 CBA and now the new CBA, he's not going to hold out come July 27th. Take Jody off the ledge. Is that even possible? No, it's not. I mean, listen, <laughs> you know, back in the day when I negotiated yeah. rookie contracts for the Packers and the Eagles a couple seasons, you know, you actually had to work. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, now, as you said, John, the CBA has pre-negotiated these deals. Now, when I say that, they pre-negotiated the actual money. So if you're whatever pick in the second round, you know you're going to get pick a number, $6 million over four years. But there are little negotiable things like the payout of the bonus. You know, that's not set. And I heard Trevor Lawrence is getting all his money in calendar year uh, 2021, which is a a great thing for a, a player because usually with those huge bonuses, they want to defer over a year or two. Um, so the bonus payout and then language, you know, language is always a problem because some teams, you know, if you have one little slip up, your guarantees to go away for the whole contract. Uh, these are the kind of things they argue about. And there are a couple pockets of the draft where maybe the number is not as clear, you know, maybe the, Eagles guys in that little pocket, but the answer is no, they'll all be signed. No, no, you gotta, I gotta follow up. <laughs> Define pockets for me inside the pocket, within the pocket. What pocket are we talking about here? And yeah, I get it. There's only so much wiggle room here because in the latest CBA, they locked down the numbers. But if that were the case, they'd all be signed two days after the draft. Oh, here's your slot. Put your name on the bottom of this piece of paper and be over and done with. Yet the Eagles still have one very big draft pick, their second rounder, that isn't done while everyone else is. Give yeah. give us a, at least make me understand pockets a little bit more. Yeah, I don't. I mean, listen, I haven't done any of these contracts. <laughs> it's been long past my time. But I think there's there's a couple pockets where the number is not as clear. In other words. You know, if it's seven million for four years, then in a four million dollar or three million dollar signing bonus, I mean, maybe there are positions above that that get two nine eight, and one that below it that gets two four six, and you don't know where to come in. Uh, so when I say the money's set, sometimes you see where the bonus is not as clear as it would be other parts of the draft. The other part is, you know, agents are wanting to get. If there's salary that's above the minimum, so if you go into 2022 and the minimum is say 700, and the salary for that slot should be 900, 
Agents want the 700 and then the 200 to be a roster bonus first of March. Teams want it to be all salary because they don't have to make a decision if the guy stinks. They can just keep him around. So these are little things they fight about. But listen, it's July 6th. I mean, they'll get it done. They'll get it done. Okay. (laughs) They will get it done. And it is July 6th. So we know before the holiday weekend, obviously, that is the classic Andrew news dump when it comes to the NFL. And there's where it came down about the Washington football team and and about the penalties uh, that they're going to – from a guy who worked with the league, I've argued for years, Andrew, the NFL should not be in the investigation business. Uh, This is the perfect example to me. This is a very serious issue with the Washington football team, and they don't have a written report from an investigator. What what is your perspective from working with these are difficult issues? We all know that, but just your general framework from dealing with the league. Why do you think they've gone down this road? And it's not just this any investigation that they're doing. Deshaun Watson, we could throw that in the mix. Why did they open this Pandora's box? Well, listen, um, one thing I know from my time in the league, and every person in the league can talk about this, is we all, every 32-team employee, wants to feel like we're being treated equally or, or maybe even better than equally by, by the league office. And everybody's looking at them and how they treat others. And it's very political. It's going to come back to you. And, you know, I think in, in the, the five, six years ago, Roger Goodell went after his two main confidants, Robert Kraft and Jerry Jones with the Elliott suspension. So I just think that he has a tough job because sometimes people think he just works for himself. No, he works for these 32, and they're trying mm-hmm. to get him to sick him on other teams while trying to maintain the relationship with the team he's working on. To me, I'm a lawyer. Everything's precedent. Mm-hmm. And what is this precedent with the Washington football team? Because what we're seeing is a – there's no questions now, right? So Roger Goodell has admitted – had admitted – inappropriate behavior by senior executives and a workplace of harassment and misconduct. And so now the precedent is 10 million fine. And then this question, whether Snyder's involved with the team or not, which is still unclear. Mm -hmm. So to me, is that really the same precedent? What happened in Carolina where there was misconduct by the owner, but he was kind of pushed out and, I just, I just, to me, it's all about consistency. And I think you raise a good point. The NFL has gotten into this business because they've made first-class conduct such an issue for the players. And when they made it such an issue for the players, they naturally have to turn it back to the owners. And that's where we are. It'll be very interesting to see how it shakes out with Washington this year. All right. I'm going to ask you to put your lawyer hat aside and put your former executive hat uh, back on. And move along the NFL calendar with us. I'm sure our Eagles fans today are wondering, well, what the hell, what the hell is Howie Roseman doing today? I got to go back to work after the 4th of July. Howie better go back to work as well. We've got three weeks until the start of camp. They had all their team activities, some mandatory, some not. Uh, they got to look at their rookies. Veterans came in, some veterans stayed away. 
And now we got this three weeks before they're going to show up with camp and get to work with the roster that they have. What is your daily activity? Uh, reviewing how your guys have looked again, doing what's out there as far as free agents, if there is still an addition that you get in under your cap. Are you starting to uh, scout other teams' rosters for, well, we know they've got too many players at this position, so they're going to have to let someone go. They're going to have to make someone available. What is the thing that you're most focusing on during this quote-unquote downtime in the NFL calendar? Yeah, all of the above. You want to get the, the draft pick you talked about. Get him signed. Yeah, get him signed. I I, I don't yeah. even want to go there. <laughs> yeah, we'll put that to the side. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know. You're looking at some extensions. Maybe, uh, you know, the best time to do these deals is either right before the season or right after the season. And, you know, when the business of football goes away, once you get the team involved and the coaches and all that, uh, I, I just think that, you know, they're mapping out scenarios about the roster in so many different ways. That's what we always did this time of year. Um, what if this guy plays? What if we, who's we going to push out? It's always about the 53 and how's it going to look? And you're right. You're scouting other teams and you're seeing, Hey, is their fourth safety better than our fourth safety? If they cut that guy, is their sixth receiver better than ours? And these are the kind of things that advanced scouting will turn out. And now with, you know, the pandemic lessening, you're going to have a lot of advanced scouting during the preseason to really shape the roster. Once you get to the cuts uh, and then there's the worry. You know, this was the time of year I always worry because I get in trouble, you know, right. and, and to get – I was the guy and Howie's probably the guy to get the unrecognizable number called during July. And you're like, oh, my God, what happened? <laughs> and that was always the worst because I understand it. You know, I have guys – I have a son in his 20s. You know, this is their last couple of – weeks before as i say they go into the submarine for six months <laughs> so they go into the submarine for six months especially at the beginning with the grind of training camp they're going to party uh so this is the time you kind of worry you know i've always worried about these unrecognizable phone numbers coming in in july yeah, yeah and in some ways you know the unintended consequence, we talk about all the bad of the pandemic, Andrew, and it was 99% bad. Maybe that was the 1% good. Guys locked down, they weren't getting in trouble, and you're right. It's something you have to be concerned about. And, you know, people say you should be a professional. We were all young. I don't know why these are young men with a lot of money, and you can get into some uh, difficult situations. So no question I, I hear you there, but yeah, one year, we, one year yeah. I took a trip this time of year. I did with my family to Vegas and uh, oh my God, I saw five of our players and they looked at me and <laughs> they just ran the other way. <laughs> oh my God. They must have, their faces turned sheet white. <laughs> well, speaking of, we have you. So, you know, you're going to get the question. I want to talk about one of your former players and that's Aaron Rodgers. You know, from we we've talked a lot. We've talked to, about you, uh, with you, and with a lot of people. Everybody has their theory. It's getting late. It's it's you know the old saying. It's 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 you know getting late early. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is probably going to have to be in Green Bay, or he's not going to play this season. Um, I I do want to talk about it from a social media perspective because you saw kind of blowing up Aaron talking about mental health. 
I think you stopped in 2008, maybe, and then you were here for a couple more years, right when social media was really kicking upward. You ever think about how difficult your job would have been in, in the age of social media or how much more difficult it is now? Yeah, I do. And well, first of all, for the players, obviously, it's a completely different being. Um, you know, I think the advent of social media was really LeBron's decision uh, in 2010. And he's been the most scrutinized athlete in the history of the world because of social media. And it just goes down the line from there. Uh, it does relate to a lot of, you know, young people. And we all know young people that really can't handle the criticism and imagine that magnified as a professional athlete. Um, you know, I think on Aaron, I've been pretty consistent from the day it broke, the day of the draft. He's not going anywhere um, because he can't trade himself. And that's the thing people talk about player empowerment. He's not James Harden. You know, it's not the NBA. Remember when Deshaun Watson was going to get traded. Remember when Russell Wilson was going to get traded. Aaron Rodgers is not getting traded because the team doesn't want to trade him. You know, Julio Jones got traded because the team wanted to trade him. So I think the thing is that it, life comes down to options. So Aaron's going to have two options, play with the Packers or not play. And it's frustrating for him because I've seen, I say this all the time, he is the best player in the league and he's a bench warmer. And when I say he's a bench warmer, he's keeping the seat warm for Jordan Love while being the best player in the league. And that, for him, that kind of stinks. I get it. But that's the difference between management and players. Management can make you do that. And they probably haven't told him we're going to trade you in 2022, but I would think that's the plan because you don't draft a number one pick to sit. They didn't draft Aaron to sit. So it's time. It's, and this is what we're going to have. We're going to have a player who's a lame duck and maybe MVP again, but reluctantly. All right, I'm going to draw a parallel here because I think there are parallels between two players, but there are also significant differences. Aaron Rodgers and Zach Ertz. Mm -hmm. Both are questionable whether they're going to show up for camp. Both are still on their team's rosters and have to show up if they want to get paid this year, if they don't want to retire, and neither one of them looks like they want to retire. But as you correctly pointed out, the Packers don't want to trade Aaron Rodgers. The Eagles probably do want to trade Zach Ertz. Although every once in a while you get a quote, hey, if Zach comes back, we're good. We think Zach's going to have a bounce back year. No, they want to move on from Zach Ertz. But they want a specific return for Zach Ertz. And as of now, Harry Roseman hasn't been able to make that happen. At leverage is the two things that the players have in common. Both sides think they have leverage. The Eagles think they have leverage because what is Zach Ertz going to do? Not show up? He might. Aaron Rodgers might uh, show up. He might not. Who knows? Um, but it's a different uh, scenario because the Eagles actually want to trade our, uh, Zach Ertz. It seems like they're waiting for someone to get hurt and someone mm -hmm. else's uh, necessary uh, need gets increased and that will increase their return. You ever get lucky that way? Holding on to a guy just waiting for someone else to go down and then I'll get what I want in return. It seems like a pretty risky way to do business. Well, in terms of that happening, the Eagles, it happened to them in the most fortuitous way in the history of the sport, in yeah. my opinion. Sam Bradford for a one. 
mean, that was one of the great trades in the history of the sport because a team got its starter hurt and they leveraged it. And Howie is a great negotiator when he has leverage. So here he has no leverage. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Zach Ertz had, a, if they had a good deal for Zach Ertz, it would have been gone a long time ago. I think what happens is he doesn't, he doesn't ever hit the practice field. Now, does that mean he's traded before camp starts? Not necessarily. They may excuse him until they get the deal he want, they want. And again, if it's waiting for an injury, that may take a while. If it's just taking whatever you can get, getting into training camp two days and letting teams see what they got, I don't know. I just don't see him taking the field as an eagle, but that may not happen by training camp. Let me let me hop in there. Um, you say they may excuse him. I thought we were told this season, new CBA agreement, that you can't waive fines for guys not showing up. That if you don't show up, the team can't wink and a nod and say, yeah, 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 uh, we, we're going to find you every single day. As soon as we get this worked out, we're not going to find you. You'll get all that money back. Yeah. They can't do that anymore. So where does excusing him from showing up come in? Yeah, maybe it's not excusing him from showing up. It's excusing him from getting on the field. Now, he may not be down with the plan of just standing. But, again, this is, this is all about, and I think this has been the problem with Aaron and the Packers. This is all about open and honest communication. I don't know how it's been with, with Howie and the agents for Ertz. How it's been with the coaches and Ertz. Are we all on the same page? If we are, fine. And he'll stand around if he has to and sit in the training room while they practice, whatever. But we just have to see where this goes. You talked about leverage, Andrew, and, and you bring up the Sam Bradford trade. Teddy Bridgewater goes down, I think, 11 days before the start of the regular season. So that was tremendous leverage mm-hmm. um, for a team that thought it was a contender and needed a quarterback on top of it. Uh, when we talk about Zach, um, Coming off his worst season, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's past 30 now. We know how this league feels about uh, players post 30. Um, and it's that time of the season where everybody's budgeted, everybody's made their plans for the most part. Uh, um, obviously, little wiggle room. So at what point does an executive say, I don't have the leverage. I just have to, I have to cut bait or is that, you know, can you be hurt by the philosophy of just trying to win every trade, trying to win every contract at all costs? Yeah, I think that can happen. I mean, I just think, you know, there may have been an offer for it before I would think there had to been before the draft during the draft. Um, And now they're going to have to deal with, is it, they're going to get the same thing. Uh, obviously, they're not going to get the value of the draft because if they got a draft pick, they could have used it. Now they got to wait a year. Uh, so if they get a third, that's like you know getting a fourth because they can't use it for a year. Um, so, yeah, that could happen. Andrew, I know you've been making appearances all over the place about the new economic world that college athletes is entering with the Supreme Court decision on name, image, and likeness, uh, collegiate athletes, players are going to be able to uh, make money for themselves off what they've already accomplished, Mm -hmm. which I think is a great thing for the individual players. But I'll be truthful with you, Andrew. I I, I read every single article that I can. 
and I still don't understand it all. And we're all speculating on what kind of actual hands-on effect it's going to have when it is implemented. You understand this stuff better than anybody that I know as far as the business of sports go. Uh, what is what is there anything that people are missing that's something that you had thought of you know they got to keep their eye on this because if this happens that happens and before you know it slippery slope here we go what is the one thing that you think people are underemphasizing about collegiate athletes now being able to make money well two things number one let's not get over our skis about this because it's not pay for play there's no income coming from the school and as a representative of villanova i'm very clear on that and I talk to our coaches and everyone about that. You cannot pay the players, but they can be paid by third parties. And the third parties are endorsers or social media companies or whatever it may be. And this is a watershed moment for college sports because never in the 115-year history of the NCAA have they loosened restrictions on this. Never. So are we on a path to pay for play? Perhaps. But that's a long way off, but we've kicked the door down. Two things happened in the last two weeks. One, we had a Supreme Court case that, again, did not allow pay-for-play, but said, NCA, you can't touch education-related benefits. What are education-related benefits? Who knows? But maybe one school decides, you know, they need $5,000 computers, not $1,000 computers. Maybe another school says, we need $20,000 internships, not $2,000 internships. And this is going to be a slippery slope because there are no rules. The second thing that happened is NIL, after two years of bandying it about, the NCA kind of just threw up their hands because the state laws were going into effect. And they <clears> said, <throat> oh, just do what you want. And the schools like Villanova, you govern it. You govern it. So it's the Wild West. And I think in the first week we've seen, we've seen one thing I didn't expect and I don't know if anyone expected, deals for players that are not football or basketball stars. We've seen a couple women's basketball players, a women's uh, a gymnast. Mm -hmm. We've seen things for all the players on the team, not just the stars. And these are going to be little. You know, maybe they're a couple thousand bucks. But <clears throat> that's going to happen. And this is a new world where college athletes are going to get paid for their brand, which has never happened before. So it's a big deal. Andrew, how quickly did you guys get into it at Bill Nova, start talking about these issues, the slippery slope? Because there is a, a, a an unintended, unintended consequence there of, you mentioned it's not paid to play, but there are certain schools with the power to steer kids in a certain, you can have this, you can do that, similar to boosters back yeah. in the day that technically would not be allowed, but how do you, how do you, how do you police it? Yeah. I've been making videos because all the athletes have not come back yet. Uh, just about what to look for, what not to look for, how to pick an agent. Agents are going to be part of this. And that's what coaches have to get used to around the country. They've always had taboo for agents because it's agents just want to take your guys to the pros, but now they need agents for NIL and they should have agents. The question is, are they going to be good? These guys are coming out of the woodwork. Everyone's asking me to help them. But no, I'm not going to do that because I think we have to protect our kids from being, you know, approached by people just trying to use them as guinea pigs to get in the business. Um, listen, I met with Coach Wright a few times. It's out there. 
it's out there. And when I say it's out there, it's out there. So when, when Jay is recruiting, it's out there. Okay. These other schools are offering things, not from their school, Mm -hmm. but Hey, this dealership down the road, this radio station, this business, it's happening. So what I'm trying to do for Jay is really make his kids aware and we're going to have to play in this game, you know, and college football is obviously the biggest, but college basketball, it's what's going to happen is every coach in America is going to recruit the class of 2023 based on NIL received by his players earlier. And the more you can say our quarterback got X, which is higher than their quarterback, you're going to win. You're going to win that recruit. That's what's going to happen. I saw a great point made this weekend when I was reading and researching and staying on top of it. It might well have been been Andrew Brandt. I apologize for not giving you credit. If you deserve it, if you deserve it, please take it. Someone pointed out that you could have battles between student-athletes, superstar players, and the actual school when it comes to going to independent places that will use the likeness of the player to advertise. Let's say down in Alabama, they have the official car dealership of the uh, Crimson Tide. And let's say they spend about a half a million dollars in advertising every single year with the university to be able to say they're the official car dealership of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Well, they want Bryce Young to be part of that. And they go directly to Bryce Young, the new quarterback of the Alabama Crimson Tide, and they go, well, we'll give you $250,000 to shoot our commercials, but then we're only going to spend half of what we spent with uh, Alabama because, yeah, we've already got the superstar player. So now you've got players working against the university. That could get pretty ugly pretty fast. How are they going to avoid something like that? Yeah, I did write about that. Thanks for the note. (laughs) And I tweeted about it. It's this is the new world. And everybody tweets back. Yeah, they, you know, who bet who who's going to cry for these athletic departments that are paying coaches $10 million. But advertisers have limited budgets. Advertisers have limited budgets. This is not Anheuser-Busch with the NFL and they're going to, you're right. I'm right. They're going to cut out the middlemen. They're going to cut out the middlemen, you know, it's, and then we're not talking the big deals like Alabama, but you know, local company pays 50,000 for signage at the basketball game. I don't need that. I'll just sign the players <laughs> you know? or I'll pay 10,000 for a tiny sign and I'll pay the other 40 for the, for the top three players or whatever. So yeah, they'll cut out the middlemen. That's scary. Because I'm very conservative here. College athletics is not big-time football and basketball. You know, Villanova, we have 600 student-athletes. 600. Most schools have 20-something sports. 20-something sports. One maybe. One maybe makes money. So this is what college athletics is. And I think I'll end it here because – People ask me about the NCAA, is it going to die? Is it, is it all outdated? I'm like, the NCAA is definitely needed for 97% of student athletes. Yeah. But for college football and college basketball programs that make huge money, no, they'll be governed by something else in five years. They will. They'll be governed by something else. But we'll have the NCAA 
for soccer and lacrosse and swimming and diving and wrestling and tennis and softball. Yes. Yes. Uh, so, Andrew, last one from me. And you said don't get ahead of your skis, but you kind of did there. So I'm going to get ahead of my skis. The Alabamas, the Clemsons of the world, the Oklahomas, Notre Dames. Is this going to make them more powerful? And is it going to make lesser programs uh, just give up on the sport of college football, college basketball, those high profile sports, not the 97% you were talking about where the NCAA is needed? I guess the answer is yes, but it's already been happening. I don't think it'll stop the haves and have nots. Um, you know, on the one hand, it's going to make the programs advance to another level even more. But on the other hand, it's going to allow for student athletes at all levels to get some kind of money. So, for instance, if some quarterback was going to go to one of those big power schools and he realizes, well, I can go to this medium school, but I'm the star and I can get NIL for 50000 a year rather than competing at Alabama and may I end up third string. You know, these are the kind of things that we'll have to see. Last thing uh, I want to ask you about, I'm going to kind of flip-flop back to the National Football League. Was hard knocks in place when you were an executive in the league? Was that just burgeoning? Uh, did the HBO slash the NFL ever come to you and say, we're considering you for hard knocks once you knew what it was and saw how it played out with previous teams? What was your take on hard knocks? We're getting the Dallas Cowboys again. I can't believe it's been 10 years. It seems to me like they're on every other year, but I guess it's been 10 years since they were on. Cowboys are doing it again this year. Pluses, minuses. You got an opinion on an NFL team being the participant on hard knocks? Jody, every year, every year, they'd ask. Every year. And I'd walk into our meeting. I'd say, what do we think about hard? Before I could get the word knocks out, is there no freaking way. No way, Andrew. And I'm like, why? You know, we're such a great franchise. No. I'm with no. you, Andrew. I mean, the Packers, as you know, are very tight about stuff getting out. And I, you know, I was dealing with people that thought, you know, we it was like Fort Knox we were going to show the world yeah. by having our practices on TV. So there's some teams that just get, you know, obviously the Cowboys and Jerry Jones, let them in, show whatever we got. Uh, but some teams just don't like it. And uh, I would have liked it. I thought as a public institution like we were, you know, to be a little more transparent. But you're not going to see the Packers anytime soon. Yeah, I, and for this year, we sure. If, if they were knocking on the door this year with all the Rogers stuff, you yeah. had zero. If it was zero before, it's less yeah. than zero now happening in Green Bay. But I'm no convinced, one. Andrew, there's 31 teams that agree with what you said, yeah. and there's only one. <laughs> and by the way, criticize Jerry Jones all you want. I think it was $5.7 billion Forbes valued the Cowboys. You know, run towards – he's the first responder – of brand building. Everybody yeah. else runs away. He runs towards it. Totally. I give him credit for that. Yep. Andrew, great stuff. We appreciate you coming on. Uh, know you've had to work a little bit harder than you were planning on this summer because all these changes with the NCAA and your affiliation with Villanova. Take a deep breath. Go play a round of golf, but then get back to it. Thanks for getting back on with us. 
Thanks, guys. Good to be with you as always. Andrew Brand, check out his podcast, uh, Business of Sports. That's why I wanted to have him on, because there is an ever-changing world of business of sports in college football, which, of course, lends itself to the National Football League, which is what Mac and Mac are here to talk about on a day-in, day-out basis. You're on Birds 365. McMullen and McDonald will come back. Keep it right here. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Hour down, hour yet to go here on a Tuesday edition of Birds 365. This is show number 62, as a matter of fact, J-Mac. Uh, I like it. We're making our way toward our first 100 shows, and we'll get there before the season gets underway. 
camp is going to get underway in just three weeks from now, which is going to give us plenty to talk about. Uh, but when we had the chance to get a guy like Andrew Brown, Brandt, former executive in the league, but also a very well-known media member now, and our next guest, Randy Mueller, is going to join us coming up in about 20 minutes, former uh, general manager of both the Saints and the Dolphins. We always do get him on because Bird Street 65 is about the Eagles first and foremost, but the National Football League where the Eagles reside. So we try and balance it as best we can. we got two good executive guys on here today. But I want to bring it back to the Eagles. An annoyance level. You know, mm. For a segment, I got mm. a little annoyed about the way that one ESPN writer um, ranked the Eagles and the rest of the division. I'm actually more ticked off about the rest of the division than the Eagles. I have another uh, annoyance level that I'll ask you a question. You might have the answer to. If you don't, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know that it's even your job to have the answer to this. The Carson Wentz banner at Lincoln Financial Field. Apparently, it's coming down shortly that the Eagles have announced that there will be something up in replacement of the Carson Wentz banner, which is still up at Lincoln Financial Field, which I don't understand a little bit. Carson Wentz has been gone for months. It ended badly. If someone wants to uh, explain to me how you can spin it that it didn't end badly, oh, I'd love to hear that explanation. Carson's gone. He's moved on with the rest of his life. Apparently, he's in a better mental place. He takes the chance to explain that on a day-in, day-out basis, it seems like, these days. But uh, the Eagles have moved on. Jalen Wentz is going to be their quarterback. Uh, Thank you for your time and effort, Carson. Good riddance. Goodbye. Except that his banner still hangs down at Lincoln Financial Field. And I saw a couple articles on this over the last couple of days. It takes time to remove it. Are you kidding me? Get a knife. Get up there. Just slice the damn thing down. I don't understand any of this, John. Why is it that the Eagles have to have something up there? The day that Carson Wentz was traded to the Indianapolis Colts, if I'm running a joint, that thing is down. Even if I'm not ready to replace it, even if we have to have three months of meetings to decide what we're going to replace it with, first things first, Get that banner down. Carson's not here anymore. <laughs> I thought what it was hell? down. Now I haven't I haven't driven by recently because uh training camp has been over. I, I thought it was down, number one. I thought no. they took it, I thought they took it down last week, or maybe they said they scheduled to take it down. I don't know. But either way, it's coming but it down. Was, at a minimum, it was up for months after Carson went. Oh, yeah. And if they did take it down, it was last week. Or they said they're taking it down last week, one or the other. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, did anyone notice? I mean, I know I wouldn't have noticed. Uh, I, I guess that was it. Uh, I guess you know, as they get closer to the season, they would have said, hey, we got to get that down. I don't think. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I, I don't think it's on the top of people's minds is what I'm trying to say. Um, you know, fans get emotional. I don't think they care as much when 
when they're gearing up for the start of the regular season or even the open practices at the Lincoln Financial Field, I think they'll try to – that's when they kick into high gear to get the stadium ready. And I, I assume they were waiting for that. And then somebody caught up and said, hey, the Carson Wentz banner still. The guy did a lot for this organization. Who cares? Right, He's not me, here. Ultimately, you know, what do we always do? I got to get my one money ball reference in. The Johnny Damon banner came down. Maybe they're making a movie. Maybe they're going to make a whole big thing about it. And the Jason Giambi banner going down. Let, let me uh, take this a step further. Um, and uh, no full well, I'm just using this as a hypothetical. Not that I really believe it. You and I agree that Carson Wentz's problems last year were at least in part mental. That we both have questions about his physical capabilities because of the injuries that might have led to uh, less effective play from him. But at least in part, it was mental. It might have had to do with the fact that Jalen Hurts was drafted as a second-round player. So uh, we, we think that, in part, Carson Wentz's play was dictated by his mental ability to handle the position, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, no question. Okay. Jalen Hurts is the new quarterback of the Eagles. I don't know where Jalen lives. Uh, I don't know how he gets to uh, where the Eagles had their practices, what direction he came from. But let's just assume for a second that he needs to pass by that side of Lincoln Financial Field. Oh, I don't think And he's so. driving into the facility. Uh, I don't think And so. the coach is saying, I'm not naming a starting quarterback. It's all about competition. Even though you, me, Jalen, Jalen's mom, everybody knows he's going to be the starting quarterback. Coach yeah. won't say it out loud. And Jalen's got to drive by the stadium in which he's going to have to play. And he looks up and he sees this poster of a quarterback who's no longer yeah. a member of the I team. I, I don't think you don't think cares. that's going to get in his no. head. Now we think no. that Jalen Hurts is a more competent individual, more take charge individual guy who will be able to handle stuff better than Carson Wentz did. But is that even fair to him? I don't even think he gives a flying. You know what? I mean, I I know I don't know Jalen Hurts well, but I know him enough to know that he doesn't care about stuff like that. He okay. talks about he talks about rat poison all the time. He talks about people criticizing him specifically, and he does a good job of ignoring that. I don't think he gives a rat's ass about some. My guess would be he's like me, and he didn't even notice. I don't even pay attention. I cover this team on a daily basis, Jody. I couldn't have told you where that banner was. I don't even pay attention to it. I think uh, I, I'm guessing Jalen Hurts is the same boat. I mean, the kid just doesn't care about stuff like that. And by the way, I think that's a good thing. I think that's a very good thing. Here's why it scares me a little bit. And and I think for the most part, you're right. I, I have a lot of confidence in Jalen. Anyone we talk to about Jalen who's been around him, who works with him, a former teammate, current teammate, they all say the same thing. Uh, man, is this kid got it where it counts between the years and that he's a leader and people gravitate to him and he doesn't sweat the small stuff. And yes, I, I get it. So that's probably the way that it is. However... It wasn't all that long ago when the Eagles used the second overall pick in the draft on Carson Wentz when they handed him the starting quarterback position when we didn't know we were going to be able to get a, uh, a number one draft pick in exchange for our somewhat questionable quarterback, uh, as Andrew Branch has pointed out, one of the best trades ever made in the history of the National Football League, made by Howie Roseman. Part of why they did that was because Carson was 
a guy who was ready, who was a leader, who had shown that in camp that he was ready to, to take over and take this football team. We heard similar things, maybe not as involved as we are with Jalen, that I think it really has been uh, almost unbelievable how, how people accredit him as a leader in as young his career as it was. But nobody was saying, yeah, you know, maybe they're putting the pressure on Carson a little bit early. Maybe he's not up to taking charge. Maybe Carson is a guy who can be shaken mentally if things don't go exactly right. Well, we found out a couple of years later that's exactly what Carson was. But nobody was suggesting that when Carson was a rookie. It was, we believe in this kid, and we think he's going to be able to lead. So, and Carson ended up where Carson ended up. Are we putting a little bit too much on Jalen Hurts' plate and expecting too much of him as just a second-year player to be able to cancel out all the noise? Uh, I don't think we are because I think he does. You know, it, it's interesting, Jody. People go through different things in life, and you know how Jalen Hurts went through what he went through at Alabama. If you think about a typical, you know, top quarterback, use Trevor Lawrence as an example this year, you know, He's the five-star recruit coming into Clemson. He's the five-star recruit. He turns into the superstar. He wins national championships. He plays in national championships. He's the number one overall pick. He's always been that guy. So if we fast forward, I don't know, 10 years down the line, hopefully for the Jacks' sake, maybe, maybe more quickly, and all of a sudden they draft another quarterback because he hasn't lived up to expectations, how's he going to handle that? Carson Wentz was that type of – now, not at that level, but he was the guy at North Dakota State. He was the guy who was always catered to. That's typically how it goes for a top five, top ten quarterback in this league. Um, Not the case with Jalen Hurts. I mean, he loses a job. He's at a place where the next guy coming in is, oh, he's better than you. You know, (laughs) Alabama has four-star recruits third on their depth chart, fourth on their depth chart at times. We've talked about their wide receiver room. So maybe from that perspective, it helped them. And, you know, the leadership aspect, the, the ability to 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 eliminate outs, outside noise as opposed to being the guy and always being the guy and never being questioned. You know, that gives you a little bit of entitlement, let's be honest. And Hertz is the rare one. When that comes to usually, but again, he's a second round pick. He's not a top five pick. You could say the same thing about Zach Wilson and Trey Lance, again, at a lesser level. Maybe Justin Beals is a little bit different because he uh, uh, he obviously had to transfer. Uh, so everybody has a little bit of a different story. Uh, but Jalen Hurts, you know, from the, from the intangible perspective, what he went through at Alabama helped him. It's pretty clear that it helped him. And all the questions about Jalen Hurts are, are turned on its head. Usually we're talking, oh, Trevor Lawrence is great physically. But we don't know if he's got it up here, Jody. We don't know. There's no right. way we can know. There's we, no way we can know. Uh, usually those who do it at the highest of high levels in college football, like a Clemson and national playoffs every year, national championship level, 
uh, that if you can do it there, you can face the rigors. You're more well prepared uh, for the rigors of what yeah. the national football is going to be like. Carson did have to make a major jump. I'm sorry. Playing in North Dakota isn't the same as playing at Clemson. Um, so I, I'm pretty confident that that's not going to be Trevor Lawrence's issue. But he was the guy in his little – you're right. The beefdom was much smaller. But he was the guy. He was the unquestioned guy. He wasn't being pushed. That's more the comparison I'm making. Yeah, Alabama, right. Clemson, Clemson, it's about being the big man on campus, so to speak. The guy. Jalen Hurts wasn't the guy. Another guy came in. Oh, he's better than you. And he had to deal with that. That's true. And I think that will help him uh, coming in and taking over the Eagles. And I know I I usually don't let these off football issues get in my head the way that this Eagles banner thing has. But it is. It's taking up space rent free in my (laughs) head right now. Uh, And we're getting some guys on the stream that are responding. Jody, do you know how much that banner costs? Do you know how much it takes to put that banner up there? Here's what I know. The Eagles did it. They put it up. The Eagles should be able to take it down. If you got it up there, and you know how you got it up there, you should be able to take it down. Does anybody know if it's come down? Because Crossing Broad, our buddy Kevin Kincaid, friend of the show, he's got a picture up where they have a crane. They're preparing to take it down. But I don't know if they've taken it down. Right. I And I think the Eagles responded and said that wasn't necessarily for that particular project. At some point, if it's up, it's at some point going to come down. Maybe right. it's already down. We don't know. It was up just recently. If it came down, it came down just recently. The Eagles have let it be known that a replacement, a piece of art, the replacement art, that's how they described it will be up by mid to late of this month. So within the next couple of weeks, three at the max, there will be something up on the side of the stadium that will be in place of the Carson Wentz banner. You want to take a guess as to what it's going to be? They called it art. Was that Uh. banner of Carson art in your mind, John? And Uh. if so, what art is going to replace it? On the side of Lincoln Financial Field. I don't know, but I, you know, maybe put the logo up there. Then you don't have these issues. Put some kind of uh, weird art-like logo. Then you don't have these. You never, I always say people, Jersey people. What do I always advocate to Jersey people, Jody? Get get a throwback jersey. Get a Reggie White jersey. Get a Brian Dawkins jersey. Get a Jaws jersey. Randall Cunningham. Donovan McNabb, if you're, you know, not a lot of people are going to go in that direction for whatever reason. But um, don't get a current player because, you know, it's probably not going to work out. So just go go with the legend. See, I like the current play. I got to have a current play. I can't have – I like legend ones too, and you want to throw that on every once in a while. But if you're a season ticket holder and you're going down every week and you're wearing uh, a Reggie, the Reggie White, White – man. Just go Reggie. It's never I know, going I know how style. great Reggie was, but Reggie's in the past. Go Jerome you, Brown. You're, you're going Jerome to root Brown. for the current day Eagles. You got to show your love for the current day Eagles, too. I know it gets a little expensive, and I'm telling people to spend money, but I'm telling you what I would do if I was a Jersey buyer. Yes. Uh, not every year. Well, I'm not getting a new their, Jersey uh, every year. Smith uh, jerseys from Jacob Media. So that, 
that would know. be that would be a very good investment because I think he's going to be here for a decade and he's going to be a guy who's making a move on the all-time Eagle wide receiver records. You know how big a Jalen Smith fan I am, so I'm only uh, parroting what I've been saying for two years now when he was uh, still yeah. a junior well, we, in Alabama. We only gave away 10 of them, so there's 10 Hall of Fame jerseys right there. Right, and we know what they'll be wearing going down to the Eagles game this year, but for the rest of you, you can go ahead and pick whichever jersey you want. J-Mac is telling you go uh, old school. I'm telling you, you got to wait and see uh, and uh, get a more recent jersey, but uh, that's just my take on it. All right, uh, we're going to take a quickie time out here. Hoping to get Randy Mueller, ex-executive in the NFL, GM of the Dolphins and the Saints up. We've got a bunch of things we're going to talk about with him. He is John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We are the Mac and Mac guys on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. 
John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We are your Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. Uh, we're waiting for uh, Randy Mueller to check on in. Former NFL executive to hop aboard uh, with us. Should be a uh, fun conversation talking to Randy Mueller. But we got a couple of minutes before he joins us, JM. Uh, got to give you this one uh, from the stream uh, squad on our uh, website here. Uh, Chris Fried, who's a guy who tweets me often enough, and he's also on our stream. I appreciate Chris checking in. His response when we were talking about jerseys and what jersey to wear and uh, should you get a new jersey all the time or just get a throwback superstar, maybe even Hall of Fame level, former Eagle, and then stick to that, knowing at least, yeah, he, he was a Hall of Famer, and I got no problem wearing a Hall of Fame jersey. Chris Fried has an, a, a specific take on this. Says, unless you're a kid, you should not be wearing the jersey of a person younger than you. I well, agree with that. That I would eliminate that. a whole bunch of yeah. jerseys. I'm not a jersey guy, so I'm not wearing jerseys. But yeah, I mean, come on. Let's get out of this. Let's get it. If you're going to wear a jersey, wear it of somebody that at least is going to be remembered in a great light. Otherwise, hey, if you got the disposable income, you know how hard it is to, to pick draft picks in this league as a whole, Jody. Keep going. Keep running through. How much those things cost nowadays? 200 bucks? Yeah, keep rolling 200 through bucks. that. Yeah, they're, they're not cheap. And yeah. I tip my hat to anyone who's shelling out that kind of money. Um, but Chris goes on. Adults should only wear a jersey of players from the past. Okay. If you're an adult and you got on a Todd Pinkston jersey, because I hosted the Eagle Free no, Game on the Eagles gotta, Radio you Network. You got to get rid years. of that. You were the same person I'm criticizing now. You don't buy a Todd Pinkston jersey. That's why you wait and see. You now have the history of this organization. So you have all of that knowledge. And you say, okay, you can even go Chuck Bednarik. You can go way old school. Go as old school as you want to go, but you can attend as long as the Eagles are around. You know you could put on that Reggie White jersey, that Brian Dawkins jersey, Randall Cunningham, Bednar. We went through the retired numbers. I ripped that off, Jody. That's one of my proudest moments on this show. I ripped off those retired numbers. Get one of those numbers. Yeah, you did. You got what was it? Eight out of nine, nine out of ten, something. Yeah, I missed Al Wister. Uh, Al Wissett was the only one you missed. You were, yeah. That was impressive. But let me just finish with this. Uh, as I said, I did the Eagle pregame show four years. I was the host of the Eagles pregame show on the radio when it wasn't on WIP. It was on 94.1, but it was WYSP. And my four years, they went to four straight championship games. There remind you. Uh, and I would see the Eagle fans uh, come over, watch it through the show, before the show, after the show, and the like. If I saw a guy in a Todd Pinkston jersey, you know what I would do? I would go give him a high five because you know what? You're a diehard Eagle fan. You're still proud of the fact that you bought a Pinkston jersey, even though he might not have earned it. Uh, th that tells me you are a diehard <laughs> fan, and I'm going to give you a high five. But that's an aside. All right, so we need to move on with the show. Uh, Randy Mueller, our buddy, former executive in the NFL. Uh, his, his website is something you should be checking out. MuellerFootball.com. He's been on with us previously. We're glad to have him back. Randy, Jody Mack, and uh, Johnny Mack here. How are you doing today, bud? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on. Hey, Randy. I wanted to get you on because I'm so interested in hard knocks. Not the show itself. I think that's petering out. But I love to get executives like you because it seems like every organization in this league 
with the exception of the Dallas Cowboys, <laughs> runs away from hard knocks at all costs. You had to go back to 2013. Roger Goodell had to make these rules to force people to get in the show. Why is the league so hell-bent on secrecy, competitive advantage, when Jerry's building his brand, which is worth, by the way, $5.7 billion today, Randy? Yeah. It's definitely a fine line, that's for sure. And I think Jerry's the one that's on the one side of it. Everybody else seems to be on the other side. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think Dallas is just a philosophy, right? I think they really believe, and this comes from Jerry, is that any publicity is good publicity. So they're willing to, to do whatever it takes to throw the Cowboys star in front of as many people as they can. Um, sometimes it's as, as much as, hey, people are watching for a train wreck, right? They, they're looking for something bad to happen, something they can criticize. And Jerry's not afraid of it. I commend him for that. I'm not sure it's always the best from a football side, but from a marketing side, I get it. And there's a lot of teams, a lot of coaches, a lot of executives that kind of run from that. They run from expectations. Hey, I've I'm, I'm never been one to, to want the spotlight to all be on us, but I understand it. I understand how it can value make your value of your franchise go up. That's for sure. So, you know, I just think Jerry's always a willing participant, but Jerry's always willing to, you know, speak in front of a mic. Yeah. And what other GM does at press conference after every game uh, in or around the locker room? Nobody. So right. they're different. And, they're, and the reason that it works for the Cowboys is Jerry is the owner. Yep. And he's the general manager. So <laughs> right. he doesn't have to go into the general manager's office and go, oh, by the way, we're doing hard knocks even if you don't want it. I'm right. dictating yeah. that we're doing hard knocks. The other two organizations, other 31 organizations in the NFL, there has to be that uncomfortable conversation between right. the general manager and the owner when the owner says, yeah, look at how much money the Cowboys are worth. Maybe we should be on a show like Hard Knocks. Right. The owner is the one who's going to win that conversation 10 out of 10 times, though, is he not, Randy? No doubt about it. But I do see some value on the football side. I'll give him that. And I don't know if this is part of his you know, decision-making process or not. But when you can present uh, something to your players that puts them every day in front of millions of people, I think they are less, less inclined to take a playoff, take a series off, take a day off. You know, they want it. They want the attention too. those guys love it. It's it's as easy as when you practice. If you practice in front of nobody, it's easy for someone to take a little time off or maybe not give as much. I remember when I was with the Saints, we used to have training camp in Thibodeau, Louisiana. Right. We practice at Nickel State a Stadium, maybe 15,000, 12,000. That place used to be packed every night for practice. And you know what? Our players loved it. So the players do gain from this attention. They gain from all the eyeballs that are on them in that I think it does make them work a little harder. I agree. Yeah, maybe they put on a show here or there, but, you know, Jerry's not going to turn that down either. So I do think there's advantages from a football standpoint to be in front of lots of people all the time. I think your practices get ratcheted up a little easier. So, so Randy, I, I, I think it started when you were in New Orleans, the show itself. Uh, so, from that point, you were with the Dolphins, Chargers. Did it ever come up at some point in those organizations? Did the, 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 the word, did the term hard knocks come up? Did someone say, should we do the show? Or, were there any of those types of discussions? You know, nobody ever asked me in, in my years if we would do it. I wouldn't be against it per se. I think it depends a little bit on where you are as a franchise, too. I think you've got to be ready for that kind of limelight that it brings you. You've got to have the right leadership. You've got to have things buttoned up on your own end so that you trust yourselves and your staff. And just so you don't come off in bad light, because everybody gets 
a little bit of the limelight, right? The, the, the screen yeah. is big for everybody and it's a GM, it's a coach, it's, it's whoever. And you've got to portray an image of your team. Some people just, they want to run from that. They, they're afraid of expectations per se. So again, it depends. I, I never was, never was asked directly to do it. Uh, and, and one, uh, you know, I, I don't know what I do. I don't know if I'd refuse it. It would depend a lot on, like I said, our team building, where we were at as a team before I would give an answer. But most of those decisions got made way above my head. I know that. Randy, I think you sort of answered this question. I'm going to ask you to expound on it a little bit. Uh, a bunch of NFL teams announced this week the number of open practices they're going to have. Some teams still practice away from their home facilities on college campuses. Uh, what was that town in Louisiana you were in? You told us about? Thibodeau. Thibodeau, Thibodeau. Louisiana. <laughs> yeah, that, the, the next time I get to Thibodeau will be the first time I get to Thibodeau. <laughs> but uh, a whole bunch of people came out to Thibodeau to watch you yep. practice. Every day. The Eagles don't do that anymore. They have their preseason at their complex. They have two open practices <laughs> they move over to Lincoln Financial Field for. That's limited. For those fans who used to like to go to X amount of practices, take a summer week's vacation to go to Eagles practice every single day, that is no longer an option. Right. Are the Eagles doing a disservice to their fan base and then in effect doing a disservice to themselves if, as you stated, the players actually like it and the players get geeked up for it and the players work hard for work harder because of it because they don't want to look bad in front of people? Yeah, maybe it's just my philosophy, Jody. I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a it, it's a situation by situation decision for a franchise. I know this. We did we had when I was in Seattle, we had several years where we had camp just like you described at our own facility. People couldn't come, space was limited. It, it, it was I thought there was never any buzz. It was kind of a downer to be honest with you a lot of days. I can imagine how the players felt. Other years, we would go across the state to Cheney, Washington, Eastern Washington University, practice outside in front of the fans. Sometimes we'd have two or three thousand fans. I mean, it was a no brainer for us. I just thought it was it brought a lot more pop to the practices. It just brought more things to it. Now, yeah. And the other thing was it sold a lot of tickets to it from the other yeah. side of the state. We were a regional team. The Eagles don't have that problem. They sell all the tickets they want. So they're not looking for that. Um, I, I don't see the downside per se, if there's a way to do it now, sometimes moving across the state or moving to another team or a, a college town comes with a pretty, uh, a pretty good expense too. Sometimes that factors in as well. I can't imagine that, that the Eagles would let that bog them down in this case, but you know, maybe they're with a first year staff first year, making a lot of changes the way they've done. Maybe they don't want to be criticized. Maybe their staff isn't. Maybe Nick Sirianni wants to keep things under wraps, doesn't want to show anybody anything. That's going to come out in preseason eventually. So I think that's a little bit short-sighted. Well, Randy, there's also the scale back of, of practice in general. There's no more two-a-days back where everybody pretty much went to colleges yeah. around the country. You had the old cheese league. I used to cover the yeah. old cheese league, Kansas City, would go to Wisconsin. And, the Saints and, went to Wisconsin. Yeah, exactly. Um, those days, you don't have the time. You don't have the number of practices uh, to kind of shift to make that, I would think, financially viable. Is that how the league looks at it? Very few teams, uh, and less and less, it seems, each year go away for yeah. a training camp. Is it just a matter of practice and, and the offseason being scaled back? 
Well, I think that's some of it. I think the practice numbers are definitely down from where they were 10 years ago. I also think it, it's, a, it's a job. You've got to pack your stuff and everybody in that building's got to pack their offices from weight rooms to all kinds of stuff and, yeah. and move a lot of stuff, training rooms, equipment rooms, locker rooms. It's, it, it puts some pressure on your staff without a doubt. But I think the pros outweigh the cons. You know, again, it, it just depends on where you are as a franchise. I think you can still gain from it, even with, like you say, John, limited number of practices. Um, you can still have walkthroughs. Fans want to watch anything they can. They want to see their team. I don't care if it's a walkthrough. Shoot, half the time when we'd have a walkthrough in Thibodeau, the fans would come out and they would boo or cheer walkthrough when a guy didn't knock a ball down. Like, wait, 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 he's not supposed to knock it down, you know, and they would still boo or cheer. But their passion shows. And again, I think it builds a brand. I think there's a lot of pluses to it. Randy, I want to put your uh, ex-general manager hat back on uh, and slot you into today on the NFL calendar. We're three weeks from the opening of camp. All the off-season activities have come and gone, mandatory, non-mandatory, whatever else. You're right now in the major downtime of the National Football League. If you were going into the office what would be the first thing you would do if you were prioritizing and wanted to knock off the most important thing first? What would be the first thing you would do? Your own roster, somebody else's roster, contract negotiations. What would be, I'm sure you'd have 10 things you'd have to accomplish on this day on the NFL calendar. But what would be the first thing if you had to get the most important thing done first? Well, I always think the contract stuff at this time of year probably takes precedent. Now, Rookie contracts especially aren't what they used to be. So those deals get done. They're going to get done. You don't Except have to. Except for Landon Dickerson. For some <laughs> reason, Landon Dickerson. Uh, it's a little uh, pet peeve yeah. of mine. I'm sorry. No, I got you. He'll be there. Trust me. He's not holding out. I, I guarantee you he'll be there. But that stuff, you know, does take time. Your veteran stuff takes a little time as well. But I think the number one priority still, and, and it definitely would be this year for me, is I would still be grinding on finding an addition or two. I think there are good players on the street more so this year than ever before. And that is extended into June and July. These there's some linebackers out there now that I can't believe people haven't signed. And again, there's just, there was so many out there, right? Because yeah. of the off season and the cap reduction and roster reductions and, and the movement was crazy this off season. I think some players have slipped through the cracks. So I would be looking for value every day. I would be trying to find a way to, I don't ever think we're one player away. But I would try to find that one player or two players now. I think you can sign them now. And even if they're injured players, we see injured players show up now on rosters and, and you don't even hear from them now until November because they're not healthy. You know, yeah. there's a couple guys, uh, offensive tackles that got signed two or three weeks ago by teams that I know aren't going to play. They're going to start the season on pup. There's still a couple more guys out there like that. And I would try to find a way to add them again. I, I'm not. I'm not considering a season of less than nine or 10 wins. In my mind, we're, we're rolling. I feel good about my team. And, I, and there really is never a season where I didn't think we could compete. So I know to, to add to that roster, to, to allow us to compete for 17 weeks, we can still add depth. And so I'm still looking for depth. There's veterans out there now that I think teams can sign and they'll show value come November without a doubt. So that's probably the number one thing I'd still be doing. All right, Randy, I want you to keep that GM hat on. The downtime, everybody is scattered across the country. The phone comes up, and you yeah. see that undocumented, uh, unknown yeah. number. Is there something in your throat? Was yeah. it scary this time of year? 
been there, done that. And without a doubt, it's a thing. It's, it's real. It's happened to me more than once. Um, I think if you ask any GM, it kind of gives you goosebumps and not the right kind of goosebumps. You're, you hold your breath. I wrote a column for Mueller football a couple of weeks back about holding your breath as a GM this time of year. It's not the calls that you want. Um, hey, these guys are, are, are wanting to enjoy their offseason players, right? And so they're out doing things. They're all over the country spread out. They've worked hard all spring, and they deserve that. But I remember a lot of speeches falling on deaf ears. It's like the last day of school when you turn them loose mid-June, people running out the door for summer vacation, and sometimes bad things happen. So, yeah, you just you have your fingers crossed. You hold your breath um, The phone that the phone doesn't ring. Um, that's not to say that it won't. So you've you, again, it's like uh, the old uh, NFL f- video films where I don't know if you guys watch a lot of the old NFL stuff, but I used to love the old videos and and the Chicago Bears are on the sidelines and Abe Gibran, who is a mentor of mine, is an assistant coach with the Bears, right? And he's yelling out, "Watch your screen, uh, watch your draw, watch everything." He said, "Watch everything." <laughs> <laughs> so that's the way you have to be as a GM. Yeah. You just got to watch everything. And you got to be ready for a lot of stuff that you just, you never know. You never know. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's continue there. Uh, the relationship between general manager and coach after coach, if you got an offensive coach and quarterback, it's probably for me, the most important relationship in an organization, the GM and the coach. Oftentimes the general manager is there in the process maybe is the driving force in hiring a coach, certainly in conjunction with an owner, going to be a big part of the process. Sometimes you got to change a gentleman. You got a GM who didn't hire the coach. And then it's a tricky, but just as important, a relationship. Who was the best relationship you ever had when you were a general manager? You and the coach, did you hire that coach? Did you inherit that coach? Give us the backstory between you and the coach that you were most simpatico with. Well, I think for me, it's twofold. And I've worked with, been lucky enough to work with some great coaches from Mike Holmgren to Nick Saban to Tom Flores, who's going in the Hall of Fame this year. Mike Holmgren will be there at some point. But for me, my last few years in Seattle, Dennis Erickson and I worked together. We knew each other prior to, I had a lot to do with him getting, getting hired in Seattle. I enjoyed that working relationship as much as anything, just because of Dennis's personality and how fun he is to be around and how we could really say anything to, to each other back and forth. But I will say this, I've also hired a coach in New Orleans. A lot of my criteria was based on our prior relationship and how I knew we would work well together. And that was Jim Hazlitt in our first couple of years in New Orleans when he won coach of the year, I won executive of the year. We kind of turned around a franchise. I don't think we could have done it if our learning curve wasn't short because I knew, and this is going to sound unfair guys, but I knew Jim would set his family, his personal side, his life aside to help rebuild this team. And that's really what you have to do when you get one of these rebuilding jobs. It's you have to set the rest of your world aside. And so we did that together. And I always felt like, and Bill Parcells told me this years before when he had uh, worked with several different people along the way, he said, you got to find a sounding board that you can say anything to and vice versa. The coach can say anything to, to you. And yet you can leave that room and it stays there. You need sounding boards on all these decisions, more so, I think, now than ever. Two, two heads way better than one. Um, the relationship is right. I mean, it, you've got to have that respect factor. And I think both be able to re- communicate with 
each other beyond like a coach would communicate with an assistant or like a, a GM would communicate with a scout. I think this takes another level because you're both in the boat together, right? You're both taking, yeah. taking fire and sometimes it's friendly fire, but at least you have the, each other to, to, to hang on. Having said that, having worked under coaches, equal to coaches and been the coach's boss, I've always had the same relationship with them. So it's just, I think more, maybe my style more than anything else, I would never do something that a coach hadn't signed off on or that we both didn't agree was the best thing for the organization. Because I think when you make those decisions that are not, you're not on the same page, one or another always has a little edge or a grind or something. I just think you're better off going a different direction. So it's a crucial relationship without a doubt. Yeah. Jim Hazlitt, uh, that name came up last week here. He was very close to getting the Eagles job at, uh, at, at, at one point. So that's an interesting name that was brought up. Yeah. Uh, Randy, I want to talk to you about Chris Ballard. Chris just had an interview with the athletic. Mm-hmm. He said some interesting things. Obviously he's considered one of the best GMs in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about free agency and roster building. And he said his philosophy, you can't, you can't pay B players, a plus money, and you got to be disciplined. You got to be right. patient. Is that difficult? How difficult is that? If you need a corner, if you need a a tight end, if you need a tackle, how difficult is it to stay disciplined in free agency and not overpay these guys? It's very difficult. I don't know that it's typical all the time. It's something that I always stood on as well. I love the philosophy. I totally agree with it. I think you can even carry it into the draft too, John. You, when you're drafting for need, you're drafting, you're, you're doing no different than you're paying a free agent. You're stepping out for a guy that he better be on the top echelon. He better be an A player and you better not draft him, you know, in the first round if he's a B minus player just to fill a need. So it's the same philosophy. I just think it's, it goes hand in hand with team building. And the hard part is fans really don't want to hear that. They want their yeah. team ready to go right now. I, I'll give you one quick example. When I was in Miami, and, and uh, Nick Saban had left to go back to Alabama. So I was there and Cam Cameron was our coach. And it was really the one draft I had without Nick there. Um, we got killed because we really needed a quarterback in the worst way. And this was the Brady Quinn draft. And I got hammered in Miami. They killed me for not drafting a quarterback. And we were at nine. And, and I just didn't have that A-plus feeling about the options that we had there, right? But I knew we would get killed. I think you have to be willing to take the shots, have to be have to have enough thick skin to not put your franchise in that position. Yeah, we could have drafted Brady Quinn and and we would have probably scrambled around mediocrity for four or five years. And in those days, you were paying that top first round pick a lot of money. I just didn't want to be tied to that. So you have to show patience. You really do. And and I, I love the way Chris has built his team. I think they're headed in the right direction. I mean, they're there already. They're just tweaking and and grinding away still to, to get better. But. I totally agree with that. Um, I don't think it's the norm around the around the league, though. And, and a lot of times, and you guys know, the fans have voice in Philadelphia. Yeah. The fans have voice in New York. They have voice in Miami as well. That East Coast is a different world when it comes to running a franchise. I'm the first to tell you that. And I grew up in the West. It's just it's different the way it's it, the way the fans are and, and the expectations. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It's just it's fact. So you you've got to be cognizant as a decision maker, as a GM when you're building your team, that you're paying the right guys. You're not paying to fill needs or drafting just to fill needs. That's for sure. Because I think you're, you're, you're probably short-sighted when you do that. Yeah, maybe you win the press conference, but do you really feel good about your team going forward? No. 
Randy, I'm going to take you for another quick stroll down your memory lane. Because when you mentioned Derek Erickson, a light bulb went off over my head. Uh, 1998, I was there at uh, Giant Stadium. Vinny Testaverde snuck <laughs> in from. What are you guys trying to ruin down. my day? What are you trying to ruin? <laughs> hey, I'm I, I, born, bred, always have been, still a season ticket holder. I'm a Jet guy. And that's where my tickets were, right on that goal line, as a matter of fact. And I saw Vinny get in. I know there were camera angles <laughs> that showed that he didn't quite make it, but I saw that play myself, and Vinny got in. It may have had an effect on the National Football League that they implemented more instant replay because of it, because so many people shared the opinion that he didn't get in. I don't know what they were talking about. He was in. I saw it with my own two eyes. Um, how did that play out for you? Because it did. It had a major ramification because – the ref may just may not in my eyes, but in some people's eyes may have missed that call. Yeah. How did you deal with that as an executive with the Seahawks? It was a tough deal because in the end, it really cost Dennis and his staff their jobs because we were hovering around 500 that year and we needed that game. And, you know, with all due respect, <laughs> I think we might, I think we might've won the game, but yeah, I can understand how jet fans might differ from that. But yeah, I, the, the ironic thing about it was I was in a suite upstairs watching the game and we had invited some league office employees, guys that I had been working with for years. So they were kind of upper echelon and I won't, I won't put in names, but people that work at park Avenue and had for a long time. And they were with me watching the game upstairs. So needless to say, it was awkward. It was, ashen it was when the game was over i just remember those guys kind of saying sorry man <laughs> sorry because they all saw it and and you know as we all know it led to the reincarnation of instant replay per se and and uh, that's the thing i remember most about it and then when i got down to the locker room you know i would always go see dennis and, and we would visit about it and i mean it was quiet we i won't tell you what he said obviously but <laughs> it, it wasn't uh, you know a repeatable a conversation that's for sure but we both kind of and and i really didn't let things like that things that happen during a game i go way out of my way to make sure by the time <laughs> i get to the locker room i flushed it right and that yeah. we're kind of hey let's get ready to go blah 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 but in that one i remember hanging my head quite a bit and, and uh, that was a long trip back to seattle trust me randy speaking of, of park avenue uh, i do want to bring this up because uh, post-holiday weekend, the classic news dump. And by the way, I hope you had a, a great holiday weekend. Uh, they come out with the Washington football team, the league, uh, and these uh, penalties uh, for uh, toxic workplace environment. Uh, I don't want to get bogged down in, in, in the penalties themselves, but just how the league handles these matters and the fact that they're in the investigation business and they're taking so many hits for not having a written report, just an oral report. Why do you think they went down this route? Are, are, are they in a, in, in a position to where they can do this in a proper fashion is I guess my question. Yeah. I think it's, it's much like uh the, the position we take on how big do we want our government to be right in the real world. It's the really in the NFL office, how big do you want their arm to sweep with? And I remember standing on the practice field one night in college station with Bill Poley and, and, and listening to him. And this is at the same time the league was taking on this investigative role, right? It was something new. We were both against it. We didn't think the league should be involved in, in investigating anything for yeah. let alone, uh, 
the Redskins stuff. We just felt like let we wanted to see us concentrate on better things or different things and not become private investigators. That being said, they definitely jumped in with both feet. I think it's a control thing. I think they definitely want to have control. They want to be able to answer some of these questions on their own. I think in this case, it, it you know, I don't, I don't want to, I don't know what happened with the investigation itself, but I, I've, I've had this come up twice in my career that I can remember. And, and you, you mentioned it when, the, when you said they don't have a, a written report. Um, well, it's kind of like with Spygate when the tapes got burned. Yeah. You knew it was for real because no one was digging, no one was going to dig that up again and no one was going to criticize it. And no one was going to, they wanted to, I guess it's as simple as eliminate all the evidence, right? They wanted to destroy evidence. And in this case, if there's no report, they're going to destroy evidence. They'll take the hits now. And, and frankly, that's what Roger gets paid to do. That's what the league, you know, they're, they're looking out for their best interest. They're going to take all the hits that, that come now, but eventually they know they'll go away. If they had produced a report, my guess is that we'd still be hitting on that a year or two from now. So they're willing to take the to take take the bad with the good, so to speak, and and hopefully this thing passes. I don't think it was ironic or or conse- you know, I don't think it was a coincidence that it dumped on a Thursday night, you know, no. on a holiday oh, weekend. Yeah. I mean that the answers from Park Avenue are there before the questions even come up, and that's why they're good at what they do. I guess we might not all like it, but it's the way it is. Randy, I'm last one for me, and I'm back on the NFL calendar again. Um, we're in that downtime three week period before camps open up. But it's pretty much a key time on a lot of fronts. And here's one of them that no one is talking about now. Oh, but it's going to come back and it's going to come back as a big story. Your vaccination rate for the players on your team. If you're at 85 percent, you can go under some pretty relaxed codes. If you're not, certain individuals who don't get vaccinated are going to be removed on the outside looking in of the team, missing meetings, different things like that. Right. You need to get those guys vaccinated. If you're not at 85%, you need to get a couple of guys who have either <laughs> because they haven't gotten around to it or they choose not to or they're on the fence. You really yeah. want to get them vaccinated so you can be as cohesive a team as you can. Agreed. Who are you going to ask to do that? Uh, we've had some yeah. people on and say education is the way. You're going to bring in medical experts. You're going to advise the players. You've done what you can during the uh, off-season workouts that you have. That you have. Would you go to a leader of the team? If you've got a guy who's vaccinated, who's your middle linebacker, who's your quarterback, would you go to them and go, listen, can you talk to any of the players? We really need to do this. You understand it. You and I had a meeting. I looked at you. You got it. You shook your head. I need some help with some of your teammates. And maybe they'll listen to a brother rather than the man, the executive above them. Would you do something like that? Would you put a player in that position to go to a teammate and say, listen, you need to do this for the team. Right. Uh, I know what your beliefs are, but come on, we got to, we're in this together. You got to do something uh, that you might not make your first choice. Would that be a fair request of a player on, under you? I think depending on your relationship with that player, it, it would be. And that's one of the reasons that I always wanted to have that door open for leadership to come in, actually for anybody to come in, because there are a bunch of times you would have already gone to the well with that with a request that is very different and maybe uh, you've added, you've added some chips to your table, right? You've built up some chips with players. You've built up some chips with your leadership. And now here's a chance to probably have to cash in some of those chips. So I believe that the the, the players police their own locker room. They police their own team better than anybody. I think they, and again, not 
necessarily from a pressure standpoint, but I think, and it's a hard deal. You, you, you hear all the answers now. Well, it's personal. I don't want to answer. Eventually we're going to know, right? Because yeah. it's going to be hard to function if you've got three or four guys that aren't part of meetings, aren't part of travel, aren't part of, you know, a day-to-day process. They have to be tested different and treated different. That's going to be hard for us to win. So even though we want to make a stand uh, personally to, to, you know, about the vaccine, in your, when you're in a team concept like this and, and all under one roof, again, teams do some different things based on their brothers, based on the guy lining up next to me. What's best for our team? And that usually carries a lot of weight in the locker room. This is, you're, you're going to test it. There's no doubt, Jody, it's going to be tested this year, that relationship that leadership has with the rest of their team. But I think it was tested last year too. I think they the teams went through this a year ago and some of the best leadership in the league ended up producing some of the best teams in the league, even more so than the most talented teams last year. So I think you're going to see some of that this year as well. If you have strong leadership and it won't be just one guy, I think you'd have to go to two or three guys in this case and make sure they're on board with it. Hey, a 35 year old middle linebacker that's maybe in his last year, he got some priorities that are different than a 22 year old slot receiver that, you know, may or may not want to be told what to do. You know, you can't really get into their personal lives per se, but I can get into my life and how it affects me as a player and what may affect us on the field. And and that's an issue. So uh, you have to listen to the opposition, though. It's just like society. You can't go into it with the idea of, you know, knowing everything or, or saying your way is the best. You're going to have to find ways to sort it out and agree as a team. And maybe maybe it's as simple as we're all in, you know, or we're not. And, and that's the, the, the box we check at the end of the day. But I think it's a great point. I know GMs are doing that right now. I know they're kind of sorting out with decision makers, with ownership, with leadership, trying to figure out what's the best for our team. Um, and then they'll try to, you know, lobby a little bit. And I think it's only natural and human to do so. You want to put your team in the best chance they can to succeed this season. And Randy, it's great. nice to have a coach, by the way, like Bruce Arians, who can say, I'm a two-time coach of the year, Super Bowl winner. Go get vaccinated if you want to go back to normal. It's nice yeah. to have that kind of cachet. It's nice to have that hammer, but at the same time, yeah. you you know, you just can't use it um, willy-nilly either. You've got no, to, you've yeah. got to hear the other side out, yeah. you know. And again, that's society, right? Nobody wants to hear the other side out. Everybody's always right, and it's part of the reason we're probably where we're at. Not, I don't want to step out of my lane. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> Randy, you can because uh, we know that you know exactly what you're talking about. You surely did again today. Please check out his website, mulafootball.com. Uh, appreciate it every time you hop on with us, Randy, and we will certainly have you back again soon enough. Thanks, bud. Anytime, guys. Enjoyed it. My, Thanks, our Randy. pleasure. Randy Mueller. And yes, readily admit, I'm a jerk. Uh, but I was at the game that Vinny Testaverde tried Dang. to sneak the ball. That's right where my tickets were. On that end zone. I he didn't get from, in, Jody. He didn't the, get in. From the year the Jets moved to Giant Stadium, that's where my tickets happened to land. On the, the lower level, right on that end zone. His helmet got in. I'm not sure the mm, ball got yeah. in. But helmet was enough for me. And they gave the Jets a touchdown. And, yes, instant replay was reborn thereafter. And I did kind of feel for the Seahawks thereafter. I had just forgotten that Randy was the VP of that team. I remember Dennis Erickson was the coach. I had forgotten about Randy being the VP. You know, the sad part, we talk about, you know, I hate, you you know me, Jody, through the NBA playoffs, I can't stand complaining about officiating. I just can't stand it. They're human beings. 
they're going to make mistakes. It's part of the game. That's my philosophy. It's always been my philosophy. But Randy bringing up the real impact of, of, of a bad call or a questionable call. People can lose their jobs. And oh, yeah. when a coach loses his job, coaching staff, administrative staff, support staff, people don't realize how many people get affected uh, by a by a head coach in the NFL losing his job. And it could be on a on a bad call. Mm, that, that's what happened. I think it was 98, I'm going to say. So 20-some-odd years ago. Sorry to bring that memory up for Randy, but he opened the door by mentioning his relationship <laughs> with Dennis Erickson. All right, Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen, Jody McDonald. You know what our job is, John? To come back and put a bow on the show. Let's go. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com.
John McMullen and Jody McDonald, a.k.a. your Mac and Mac guys with Birds 365. All right, Johnny Mac, we're uh, running short on time here. want to follow up on the last question I asked Randy and give it to you as it pertains to the hometown team. We are three weeks away from camp opening up. If you're going to have 85% of your players vaccinated and you don't yet, chances are you need to swing a couple of guys who haven't gotten the vaccine yet between now and camp because you have to go and get the vaccine. Uh, You can get the one where you only need one shot. Some people are only going to have access to where you need two shots. And then there's a waiting period in between, which means you're not going to be cleared yet. So there's a lot of hurdles to get over. And there are, uh, I don't know any team that said they're at 85%. I know I've seen some that said, we believe we'll be at 85% when camp opens up. Uh, So be it. Eagles. Is it Howie Roseman or is it Nick Sirianni? Which one do you think is going to the players if the scenario I laid out uh, is the one the Eagles decide to go down? Is it the coach or the general manager? And if so, what <clears throat> players do you think they're going to? Is there one, two, three guys that maybe have already gotten a vaccine, are in a position of leadership on this team? Who's tapping into who to tap into the non-vaccinated players to help the Eagles get to 85%? Well, I think it's all of the above. I, I, I'm certain Nick has talked about it. I'm certain how he's talked about it. And everybody's trying this education uh, program around the league. And I think last we heard, half of the teams had more than 51. And we'll get more clarification as we get closer to camp. And it'll be easy, as Randy said, to identify who's ready to go and who isn't. Uh, that'll be easy uh, to identify because – uh, you won't need to wear a mask and go back to more of a normal type procedure. As, as far as players, I, Jason Kelsey is obvious. He he was vaccinated very early, publicized it on, on social media. Uh, he makes sense. You talk a lot of those offensive linemen, Lane Johnson, Brandon Brooks, a lot of the defensive linemen, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox. If you can get those guys on board, those are the, the foundational pieces of this team. Those are the veteran players. Those are the star players. Those are the guys that can convince people. And by the way, they're also the guys you want talking because Jason's a good communicator. Brandon's a good communicator. You know, these things go hand in hand, and, and they'll make it clear as I think this kind of thing will happen throughout the NFL Veteran leaders will say, look, it's just easier. It makes it easier for all of us. We're trying to win games. We're trying to be successful. You got to be out there. That's, that's I think, the easiest way to handle it. Players right. themselves kind of self-policing. Let me give you another hypothetical. Love ending on hypothetical questions. Um, let's say Jalen Rager hasn't got it. And and let me state here. I have no idea who is who hasn't hasn't been vaccinated yet. Jalen Rager may have been vaccinated, may not. I don't know. I'm I'm making this up hypothetically. Let's say he hasn't been, and you're counting on him as a key contributor, a step up year, that year two guy that's going to be a key part of your offense. And the wide receiver coach wants him in the room, doesn't want him doing it virtually. Wants him in the room. You've got all your other wide receivers, you know, got vaccinated, but Jalen Rager hasn't yet. Is it Jason Kelsey? Is it Lane Johnson? Or is it the second-year quarterback, Jalen Hurts, if you're Howie or Nick, that you go to and go, hey, 
can you talk Jalen into this? Can you be the guy who's going to yeah. get him back to? I know we don't want to step on anybody's rights. We want to let everybody make their own choice. But if you don't think there's going to be influencing going on, you're kidding yourself. Who are you no, leaning yeah. on? Those veteran offensive linemen or your second year QB? Well, in, in, in the instance of guys who have a personal relationship in an individual case, maybe you do go to somebody who has a, a bigger relationship and certainly the quarterback and receiver, they're working out together in the offseason at times. Uh, maybe that is the right way to go about it. If one is vaccinated, one isn't. Again, we don't know, Jody. We don't know right. who's vaccinated, who isn't. But I will say this, in a lot of ways – it's the same as voluntary work. So you bring up an interesting name, Jalen Rager, because he needs to take a step forward this year, but he's also not in danger of being cut. Cut. Those are the difficult guys to convince if they're not vaccinated. And again, I have to say this a hundred times. We don't know. If we don't Jalen know. Is or right. It. We don't but know. You got to be very clear about that. The guys who are going, look, if you're on the back end of the roster, and you're not getting vaccinated, guess what? You're going to get cut. They're not going to say it. You're going to get cut. So either do it. It's like voluntary work. Oh, it's voluntary for the stars. You better be here or you got no shot. Same thing with the vaccination. That's how it's going to work. I'm not saying that's good or bad. It's just reality. Right. Uh, again, not suggesting anyone should have to do anything, but just wink, wink, nod, nod. J.J. Arcega, Whiteside. I think you better be vaccinated because yes. you're a guy who's got to come in and win a job. You don't possess a job right now. Uh, you can get one. It's out there for the taking, but you got to take it and you got to put yourself in the position to take it. All right. Uh, we pontificated enough. We've given you over two hours today. Outstanding job by my partner, John McMullen. I made Brandy Mueller's life a living heck by taking him down a memory road. He didn't want to go. We'll see who can screw it tomorrow. We got Ed Benkins going to be out with us. Another guest as well. Please be back with us Adam here tomorrow. On, what's that? Adam Kaplan. We'll oh, Kaplan's tomorrow. tomorrow. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. All right, Adam Kaplan's Kaplan. in tomorrow. Ed Benkin. More Damn. good guests. Another good show. Tomorrow, right here on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big